Hey everyone, we are back for another exciting episode. This week is the one about drum majors. We are going to talk to Jack Goudreau, an amazing drum major instructor. We will also find out what made Tom say... I got one more for you guys, and it's really your worst nightmare story in a marching act situation. And why Nicole said... Oh, yeah, dude. Okay, here's the funny thing. I can look back at this now and laugh, but... um. I was conducting in a completely different meter than what the music was in. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All this and more on this week's episode of On a Water Break. Let's go. Set it up. Top of the show. Form, check form. Cover down. Do it again. Run it back. And we'll see you at the show. Welcome to another episode of On a Water Break, the podcast where we talk about everything you and your friends are talking about at rehearsal on a water break. I'm Jackie Brown. This week is all about the drum majors, and all of our hosts have some great stories that we are about to dive into. Let's check in and see who's on staff on the sidelines this week and who's ready to take the Long Ranger first. Tom. Hello, and of course, yeah, it's like 72 and sunny. It's super nice out. <laughs> Always the California weather. Oh, man. Right? I was excited to talk about drum majors, though, because we just started doing um, drum major auditions at my high school I work with. So this is a lot of fun because, um, yeah, this is going to be a neat one. Yeah, I'm this excited. It's going to be a great uh, Ashley is joining us. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Yeah, we're starting um, leadership auditions next week. Next Tuesday is when we have ours, so I'm excited for that. I'm excited for them to – I always like seeing them try to push themselves and be the learn all the different things that they can in the interviews, in the teaching, and, and all of that. I think it's really cool for them to push themselves. And we have Nicole. So I just wanted to let Tom know, I just looked it up on my phone and it's so nice. It's 77 degrees here in Cincinnati. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it is not going to last before it's like a hundred degrees of humidity and, <laughs> and anger. <laughs> no, we're not angry yet. It's, it's still nice right now. We're not angry. <laughs> <laughs> but um I'm I'm definitely not um having drum major auditions anywhere right now <laughs> because Me I don't work, right I don't work with any programs anymore or anything like that but um it's just been um I mean maybe a longer decompression for me just since like uh you know winter guard just finished and you know with work and um all that other good stuff cuz you know, I work at a vet, so I've been seeing a lot more puppies come in, which is Aww. literally, oh, that's the oh, thing God. that makes my heart melt. Show me a puppy, and you will <laughs> see a part of the that you have never seen before. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Nicole, I didn't tell you this before, but, uh, you know, I actually was a pre-vet student in college. Oh. <gasps> Really? Yes, I worked as a vet tech for seven years. <laughs> this and then is something I just, I, uh, I just pivoted. I was like, I was like, you know what? Let's go teach biology. What the heck? <laughs> and color guard. 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is something that like, um, yeah, it's something that's in a serious, um, uh, deep, like, you know, if people ever wanted to get into that field, they could and anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely, there's a need for it. Well, let's go right into our gush and go since we're all feeling chatty anyways. Uh, Tom, do you want to gush first? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, it's, it's, you know, drum corps is starting in like another month or so, like, yay. Uh, and this is a time when they start needing like volunteers, easy jobs, like driving, like, you know, a regular van or helping out with food or subies. Like if you're a rookie parent, that's an awesome way to get to have a really good experience, you know, firsthand with the core. If you're a person that maybe didn't make it this year, a member, hopeful member that's another good way to um be around the core observe you know and and have a better chance the following year of getting into the core so volunteer help out these cores that's my I love that. they're always looking for like people i i know because i get phone calls all the time because i have a cdl and like now i'm gonna get more because i'm <laughs> announcing it on a podcast but i always get these phone calls they're like i have a cdl do you want to come <laughs> That would be cool, though. It'd be like, Jackie's like, well, I'm just going to go for, like, a weekend, and, oh. <laughs> if only. If only the contracts were that short. I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't even know. I, I, I don't have anything really, like, I, I guess I do have a good gush. Actually, my, the school that I work with here locally has a mini guard, and they just had their mini guard recently, and they had, like, the, a huge turnout. And they sent me the video and they did so good. And if you follow me at Spintronics Guard on social media, then you may have seen it pop up in my stories. And if you missed it, just DM me and I will send it to you because it's super duper cute. And uh, Wait, yeah. you said mini guard. Like, are they just um, only a few people or are they mini people? They're mini people. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're like, like elementary school kids. Oh, oh that's, that's awesome. Sweet. Yeah, it's great. There, there's been we've had a mini guard. We we had a really good mini guard program going on, and then um, in 2020, that kind of got thrown off the rails, of course. And so, mm -hmm. with all of this, uh, it it's been a long time of trying to get get it built back up. And uh, this year, really, I think was a, a big step of it coming back, and and I'm pretty excited for it. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that cool. I love seeing those ones out there doing that. Cause it just like, it's like pup, it like melts my heart. I'm like, you're so tiny. Look at that big old black pole in you. <laughs> <laughs> They're adorable. Nicole, why don't you do your gush and go next? You have all the cute things going on over there. Uh, cute things. And I guess changing things. Um, so ever since I moved to Cincinnati, I was working at one vet and um, I have since loved, like this was the first time I've ever been in the veterinary field. Um, at all. And I've loved it, but I've wanted to like move into something else. And so I am going to be at an emergency vet um, in the oncology department now, but that's not until the end of the month. And so I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. Um, Woo I'm super excited to start it. Um, and I have, this is a, 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 like a personal gush and go for me in the activity field, but like, I literally have just cut off my, um, marching band um schedule so like coming to a marching band field near you judging is nicole younger <laughs> so yay <laughs> nice those schedules they just fill up so fast don't they yeah uh, i yeah. didn't like 
Yeah, right? I was like, uh, sure, I'll do it. And then I looked and I was like, oh, that is every week. Every okay, week. here we go. <laughs> You're like, hey, what is there, like 10 weekends or whatever in marching season? You're just like, oh yeah, I can, I can do like five or six of those. And then all of a sudden it's like, why do I have eight? Why do I have 10? What's going on? I'll right. yell out, I'm still available. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, what do you want to gush and go on about this week? Um, so this past weekend, I was on the um, judging panel for the um, University of Delaware Golden Girl Twirlers. So that was really exciting. Um, the band director was there, Heidi Sarver, um, the twirling instructor, Dina Frank. Um, so I'm really excited for the marching band season there. So I help out there in the fall, um, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then go to all the games. But then I also teach the color guard at Bryansing Sun High School, which is my local high school, literally in my parents' backyard. <laughs> like oh. the, the football field, you can see the football field, the scoreboard, it's all right there. <laughs> I oh. am actually taking on the task of writing the drill this year. So Ooh. we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> I've done uh, it once I before during COVID. Are you using a program or doing it by hand? Uh, I have Pyware, but I feel like I might do it by hand first. I, I might need to write it. We should hook her up with Lindsay. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I was supposed yeah. to take a, a class in college, this marching band techniques about like how to use Pyware, how to, it was like how to be a band director. It was like an elective, but. I didn't take it because my classes were full. Instead, I had to take uh, medieval Spanish literature. Oh, what? what? No. I yeah, had minor, a so I had to finish the minor. It was terrible. And how has that come into play so far? <laughs> um, it doesn't, actually. Surprisingly <laughs> enough, I don't use Spanish medieval literature every day. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. I like, don't finish every day. <laughs> well, hmm. oh, okay. okay, that's fun. <laughs> well, if you missed our WGI decompression episode, maybe go back and listen to that, guys. Come on now. Uh, you did not get introduced to Lex Holland, known on so social media as at Blonde Caramel Twist. They are definitely not afraid to speak their mind. So in a new segment that we're starting just this week, it's time to let Lex let you have it. Go Lex. So here are my rambling brain ideas right on April camp and auditions. If you left April camp a couple weeks ago, and you made the color guard. That's not like, of course, pat yourself on the back, congratulations, but like also girl, like go practice. Like that's your time to be like, now I have to put in the work, right? Like whatever you learned at April camp, whether it was movement or weapon or flag or what have you, if there's a skill in there or several skills that you've never done or you were not doing to the level that you were being asked to do because either one or both are true, um, you know, th those skills are going to show up in your show. Like, they, no one is going to teach a ditty at any kind of audition of just, like, random skills. Like, no, those skills are in that choreographer's wheelhouse. 
So they're gonna show up for you. And not that you need to be able to do them when you get to move-ins, but like you should show improvement, right? Like if you think of, you know, drum corps auditions and color guard auditions or dance auditions for that matter or anything, right? It's all like, think of it as a movie, right? April camp is just the preview. Move-ins is the movie. And who hates but to like go and you're watching a preview and you're like, oh my God, that movie looks like it's going to be so good. So then you clear out your schedule on a Friday night and you go to the movie theaters where you spend an unnecessary amount of money, by the way. Like I just wanted some junior mints and like a slushie and I'm going to have to like dig into my 401k, but that's beside the point. Like you go through all this trouble to go to the movie and then you're like, oh my God, that could have been straight to DVD. You don't want that for yourself, right? Going to April Kim is not proving what you can do. It's proving what you're capable of doing. And the whole idea of, you know, that arc that happens or really the climb and the ascending that happens during move-ins into tour is getting closer and closer, if not reaching that potential. It's never plateauing. And as long as you put in that work right now, starting right now from auditions, then of course you are going to improve. Because as we all know, anything can happen. And just because you were given a spot on, you know, April, whatever it was, doesn't mean that on August 12th, you know, on finals or semis or prelims, whenever your final performance is, it doesn't mean that that's going to be your spot forever. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you continue to put in the work and maintain that positive attitude and know that I am only, one, doing the best I can, and two, living and performing and working towards my potential and hoping to reach it. And if you can do that, then you're golden. And that, those are my thoughts. So this week is all about drum majors. So who has some good drum major stories? <laughs> I like how you just left that very ambiguous to talk about. <laughs> I have one, but I don't want to go first. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Okay, so when I was in high school, I actually tried out to be a drum major. So, um, fun fact, but then I don't know, because I don't remember all the things that I talk about when I'm on this podcast. But, um, <laughs> horn play yeah, I know. I was a horn player before I was in color guard. And so when I was in high school, I was like... You know, I was a baritone player, so I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, mm, I'm the thing." Oh, you know, like no one could tell me, no one could tell me anything. And so, when it was time to for drum major auditions, um, I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll try out for drum major." And like, you when you practice being a drum major, excuse me. Well, I don't even know what the words are anymore. But anyway, when I was practicing the song to, you know, to present, like. Anytime someone came in, you had to like be a little bit over dramatic with like cueing someone in and stuff like that. Right. And I really thought that I had it together. Like I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I remember like, you know, walking away from the audition, like, yeah, I just nailed that. And <laughs> I totally didn't because they had so much, <laughs> they had so much to say because they critiqued, they critiqued you right on the spot. And I was oh. like, Wow. Yeah, dude. Okay. Here's the funny thing. I can look back at this now and laugh, but um, I was conducting in a completely different meter than what the music was in. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> oh no. We've had that happen too. And, right? <laughs> and 
owning it because the music director was just like, I don't, I mean, you really thought you were doing the right thing. And I bet <laughs> high school Nicole was like, I mean, you probably did it solid though, right? You know, if you're going to make a mistake, just go for it. Right. And I cut off when I was supposed to and all that other good stuff. But I was just like, all right, you obviously don't know. And then, like, it made me think, like, okay, do they think I don't know what the drum major's doing on the podium when I'm playing? Like, you know. So, <laughs> oh, you couldn't tell me anything came to please tell me everything. <laughs> that oh it was so funny but yeah that's my major story <laughs> tom you started to tell us a story before the podcast from drum from drum corps uh well you know if, we may have to save that story for more of um drum corps after dark you know uh, i think on the water break we have to start uh, you know midnight food truck snacks or a show something like that uh but that is a really good drum major story. Uh, I'm not going to mention the organization right now. <laughs> but, you know, I love watching uh, the kids audition for drum major, uh, especially in the scholastic area. Um, you have really confident kids all the way down to what am I even doing here? Right. And, Somewhere in between is, is your, your perfect drum major, <laughs> I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You don't want them to be overconfident with what they're doing because, I mean, especially when you're talking about, like, high schoolers, they're, you know, they, they do have a lot to learn. And if they realize that they have a lot to learn, then they're a lot more receptive to the education that they get as a drum major. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right now we have three color guard uh folks auditioning for drum major that's excellent nice. that's interesting and, and they all looked really good the other day at, at auditions i was really impressed and i was like do we have enough color guard to let these folks go <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's a small program we usually run around 10 to 12 color guard mm -hmm. so but you know if i have seen there, that happen a lot there. more i've seen that happen a lot more um with color guard members um, you know, being drum majors and things like that. Um, and that actually like takes me back to, oh gosh, is it Blue Nights? I think it was Blue Nights. Um, like, and this was a couple, when I say a couple of years ago, I mean, maybe five, because I, I remember watching their drum majors and like, instead of, there's a traditional pattern, I guess. All right. You're talking to the person that didn't know what meter they were on. <laughs> Like they would do like make a box and go to the side and stuff. And I was just like, I would watch the show, but then I'm watching the drum majors and I'm like, Ooh, y'all were like, it's like choreo. It is like choreography, you know? So seeing basically what I'm getting at is, you know, having color guard people come in and start to do what the drum majors are doing. They have, um, they look at, you know, it's looked at like choreography. So yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense in our program. A majority of our color guard does play an instrument in the concert band. Oh, okay. So they yep. do have some musical background, which helps a lot um, being oh, yeah. in the color. Um, for years, we had, you know, a, a much younger guard that didn't have much music background. 
and you would ask the color guard staff or a member, you know, what what count are you on? I, I'm on da 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> me, that was me. I'm <laughs> 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 yeah. on the part where the flags go whoosh whoosh whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> like the drum guys the the drum majors in most scholastic programs i've ever worked with whenever the drum staff starts to approach the podium you can hear it start to rattle in fear <laughs> They're like, what is the drum guy gonna say to me what is he gonna say to me <laughs> i love those small schools though like when they don't have a lot of color guard and so they really need like their color guard people but then they have a color guard person who like does really good at drum major and they actually pull them maybe for a song and like that color guard person does is the drum major for a song and then they go back on the field and they do color guard for a song and and they can switch it up i think it's so great for people to get a variety of experiences within their band so Mm -hmm. like like it's great to be in the same section all four years of high school and whatever but like high school is the time you should be experimenting i think and so seeing these color guard people trying out for drum major it's like go for it figure it out get some more skills Ashley, you got any drum major stories? <laughs> yeah, so I actually conducted a song my senior year of high school. So I twirled and did color guard for like the first part of it. And then I did not try out to be a drum major. Let me just say oh. that. Band director was just <laughs> like, okay, you're going to conduct a song. Is that okay? I was like, uh, okay, See? I guess. <laughs> but there was like a, a tempo change there was like a meter change i was like i don't know about all this i'll wave my hands but i don't know what it means did you figure it out though did i freak out or did you figure it out oh yeah eventually (laughs) good i mean there wasn't that much instruction but oh i i got it i figured it out how big is how many yeah how many people were in Uh, it Maybe like sixty. Oh, that's something yeah, that's like a pretty that. small. Thing. Yeah. Wow. I would be like, okay, I'm just gonna stand in front of you. Could you please tell me what I need to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> what I need yeah. to do? You're like, okay, down, in, out, up, down, in, out, up. I'm like, okay, I got this. <laughs> you know, I, I I never had the desire of wanting to be drum major, but I I, I do get. Where where someone would want to to be the the drum major? Cause, I mean, you're not necessarily keeping time these days. We rehearse to a metronome and a doctor beat. You know, ninety percent right. of your your rehearsal time. So that's like ingrained into your your muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Now, all the other leadership skills that you encounter and develop, um, I, I think. Are, are are probably where it's at in in my head to to want to be drum major these days. You're right. <laughs> you are right because like those drum majors are kind of like mini staff cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah, cheerleaders <laughs> band yeah. mini staff for the staff, you know, and 
Yeah, they know exactly. Here's my one thing, too, is just like, you know, anytime you're resetting, they're like, okay, at the top of this set, um, pick up on the downbeat of, you know, and I'm sure I'm saying that all wrong. But, <laughs> like, you know, they know that. And they're like, okay, set, here we go. And it's just like, wait, especially for the color guard. It's like, I don't know what the top of A is. What is like, I don't know. Right. But, and they don't, and they can, like, decipher that for them and it's just like a is this set thank you okay great i'm ready <laughs> you know so yeah they have to be locked into everybody and not to mention like they have this like synchronicity because i spent a lot of time when i was with the cults like up near the drum major podium and when you're not a drum major you don't learn these things but like they are literally watching that center snare for their timing yep um the majority or all of the time you know so it's just like they are what's the driving beat of you know that show some and and some marching bands will do that too if they're you know bigger or even do that but i remember that's something i picked up later on in life and i was like gosh that is cool i could not be a drum major <laughs> do you want to hear my story do we it. always want to hear story. <laughs> it's a little it's just a touch risque it's not bad <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Like some cocoa and <laughs> No, okay. So I um uh so my my rookie year of drum corps, I was at Memphis Sound, which is a core that is of course gone. So I'm just gonna throw it out there. Uh we had a set that where, where what? We're back this year, aren't they? Memphis Sound? It, it's different. It's Memphis Blues. It's a different core. It's different people running it. But yeah, I got all excited. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. But it, it is it's, a lot of the same people are involved. There's a lot of people like locally involved. So I am very excited about it too. I actually I talked about it on another podcast episode. But um, anyway, so I we started the entire show for some reason. The entire core was facing the audience, facing the drum major, and then the entire color guard for some reason was facing the backfield. So, and, and the show started like right on, like boom, go. And so you had to see the, the whatever the drum majors do, the downbeat. And yeah. we were facing backfield. So it was like, do we look over our shoulder? No, don't face the audience. What do we do? Okay, so we have a backfield drum major. Okay, cool, got it, no problem, right? We'll watch the backfield drum major. Um, we practiced well into the dark many nights. And uh, when that started to happen, the for some reason, the main drum, the drum major up front had glow sticks. And it was great because people could see him, you know, they could see the count off. And the backfield drum major did not have glow sticks. And uh, so I, on our next free day, I went and bought glow sticks for the backfield drum major. Like I bought him a whole pack so he could have like <laughs> enough glow sticks for the whole summer. And the the front the the main drum major the head drum major was furious because I bought something for the backfield drum major not for him. <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" Um, and so he was like, "No, you have to have you have to be punished for this." And I was just like, "Oh, my, you know, drum for." Uh, my punishment was that I had to give him a shoulder massage during snack yeah i told you it was a little risque which like i was like at first i was like oh my gosh i'm being punished by the drum major but also i'm 
I had a huge crush on him and it was very obvious. So <laughs> it was very much not a punishment to me. <laughs> okay, if I have to. If I have to, I mean the jump major told me I had to. Yes, I gotta do it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he is, we, we we have stayed friends after that, and uh, we never we never did date. So that's that's how that ended up. But still, it was it was pretty a uh, pretty exciting time to be a drum major over there in Memphis <laughs> South. I have another story. I just remembered one. So I can't remember what year it was, but um, I think it was like 2018, and at the Hawthorne Caballeros. Um, one of the drum majors was like missing a show, so they asked one of the horn players to like be the back drum major so that they or like one of the assistants so they could go they started in the back and they came up around to the front. So they like wall call professionally, like from going from the back to the front, but like at this point in the show, I think it was like a quick change, so she kinda had to like run, but she fell on the ground and her feet literally went like above her head. She looked like a letter C. And then everyone, oh, it was in the video, and everyone screenshot it and like oh, set it as their profile picture for like a month. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Oh, <laughs> oh it was so funny. That, well, I hope she was okay, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> she's All the days of social media. Tom, do you have another story? Yeah, I got, I got I got one more for you guys, and it's really your worst nightmare story in a marching oh, no. situation. Uh, I was the percussion caption head of the San Francisco Renegades Senior Drum Group Corps for quite a few years, and uh, one year at championships, I think it was two thousand eight, in finals performance, the drum major skipped a fifteen second part of the show. Oh, no. She's conducting the drum solo right away, and two thirds of the core didn't really know how to react. Whoa. Like, what's going on? Literally <laughs> stopped, reset the that part of the show, no. and restarted. Wow. I mouth on the floor, just what just happened? <laughs> oh, did they That's just like? Wild. They were <laughs> like, oh, you know. <laughs> I, the oh major just had a complete, you know, brain fart, um, and yeah, that, oh, that moment oh, of like, what happens when that happens? Well, you reset and start over. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, that's, that's all you can do, really. Yeah, uh, you want to finish with a good, strong performance. So that's what the core did. Um, it did drop them a few spots in finals. Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a um, that's like a stress stream. Yikes! Well, the drum major well, hit us after she was so afraid that like we were gonna. Did? Yeah, she went and hit after the performance. She thought we were gonna be so angry with her. We weren't. It was good. <laughs> Let's talk to our expert, who is a former drum major herself, Beth. She's gonna settle this all out for us. So. Everybody, get up on the field, and uh, staff, let's huddle up so we can learn what the drum major does, because clearly we're, we don't actually know what it's supposed to be. <laughs> what makes a good drum major? 
Being a drum major is one of the most difficult jobs that a student can ever possibly serve in. It's more difficult than being a, a football quarterback. It's more difficult than being the captain of the tennis team. Being a drum major means that you are responsible for tens, if not hundreds of marching members that are made up of your peers. In this role, you're not a staff member, but you're also not a regular marching member. Yet at the same time, you are trusted to lead your ensemble, to motivate your peers, and to help support each and every individual when something might not be going perfectly. As drum majors, this can create so much mental stress and so much emotional pull that we have to overcome in order to continue being the absolute best for our position and for our program. In order to be a good drum major, it's always helpful to show up on time, to be prepared both in terms of music as well as just ensemble readiness, being ready for the rehearsal with the right equipment and other materials you might need. And ultimately, it's really important to know when you need to be giving direction, when you need to be giving support, or when you need to take a step back and have someone else take the lead, whether that's a band director, a section leader, or another ensemble member. Being able to delegate is one of the most helpful attributes in being a great drum major. Overall, the role is very difficult. It's a lot more stressful than a lot of people think. And even though you often see a drum major conducting on the podium and doing a fancy salute, 80%, if not more, of their job is spent doing leadership responsibilities both on and beyond the field. If you're interested in learning more about what it's like to be a drum major or the tips that you need to be successful, feel free to check out the podcast by the Drum Major Leadership Academy entitled Beyond the Field, and be sure to stay tuned for a new podcast by On a Water Break entitled Never On a Water Break, The Life of a Drum Major. We hope that these tips are helpful and hope to work with you soon. Hey, this is Christine Ream. And Chris Green. Guard Closet was founded as a consignment business in 2000. Since then, it has grown to include winter guard, band, percussion, and other genres. We can help you with custom flag and costuming designs. Our consignment inventory has plenty of great looks for your color guard, drumline, and marching band. Pay it forward. When you purchase consignment, you help other programs. Last year, we sold over 400 sets of consignments and returned over 120 $25,000 in payments to our consigners for their sales. Additionally, Guard Closet offers custom and pre-designed costumes, flags, floors, and formal wear, full or partial show writing, educational programming, and other services. Max out your rehearsal time and set up a microsite for easy student ordering for shoes, gloves, and other equipment. The Guard Closet team is here to help you get everything you want and need for your season. Check us out at guardcloset.com and follow us on social media. Thank you, Jackie. I think that being a drum major is really, you know, for me, it was definitely being uh, it was an honor when every time I was drum major and I was drum major, I had the fortune of being in a school district when I was younger that um, I was able to be a drum major in junior high in eighth and ninth grades. My um, my director felt like I had something special. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know <laughs> that, that I was being considered, but he kind of named me uh, to be the drum major in eighth grade. And I was hooked, you know, from the first time I stepped on the podium. 
And so I got to do it again then when I got to 12th grade and then in my uh, last year at Westchester University. So I, I had progressed through, you know, obviously a small group in junior high and then a regular size, you know, average size high school group. And then, you know, when I got to Westchester, I was a drum major for over 200 people in the field at the same time, which at the time was very big. And it was something that was very important to me in the sense that it was a great way for me to build my leadership skills. It was a great way for me to really understand poise under pressure. Being a drum major involved much more than just, you know, being able to maintain a, a steady beat and focus primarily on the center snare. Um, that's really how I stayed in time. And that's how I prevented any kind of phasing issues in my unit was I became, um, you know, synced up with our center snare, Daryl Goslin. And I was fortunate too in a unique situation. He was my center snare in high school and in college. Uh, we went to the same high school. And so one, when we each got to our respective positions in college, it was like falling back into an, an old routine. And that was really helpful, I think, for both of us. Um, but being drum major gave me an opportunity to meet everybody in the band, not just people in my woodwind section that I had come from. Um, it gave me more of an opportunity to learn how, how a band moves, how a band uh, behaves in terms of getting from point A to point B, how to um, get everybody's attention, how to also build relationships with everybody within the band uh, at some level so as to garner their respect, but also respect them and all of their roles, respective roles in the, in the unit. And I think that's really been beneficial for me as I've, you know, in my professional career, which has nothing to do with being a drum major necessarily, and yet has everything to do with being a drum major because I'm in, I'm a, a leader in my, in my job, right? I, I do, I do group travel and we, uh, we plan tours for people. So I'm the point person, I'm the leader, I'm the person that's guiding a group from A to B and getting them through their tour, which is very much like moving a band. And since I'm working with band directors, that's definitely helpful as well. So I think that, you know, being a drum major for me was not just about keeping time, was not just about musicality, which is, which are both incredibly important, obviously, for a successful performance. But I learned so much more about being uh, authentic in my leadership and about being confident in myself and my abilities, even at times when I didn't feel that way. You know, when you go to a, a school at, like Westchester, where you're, you're in a band with a bunch of music education majors who are an incredibly talented people, you know, it's easy to feel maybe a little doubtful of your skill set. but this is, you know, but, and you can, um, treat it as an opportunity to learn from those folks which is what I did. I just tried to be a sponge and soak up as much knowledge as I could from all of them to bolster my confidence uh, as I led them on the field and, and from the podium. So I value the, that position more more so even now, I think, than I did then. I mean, I loved it then, and I'm not going to lie, the attention's great when you're on the podium and you get to turn around and, and acknowledge the crowd and the crowd's applauding. It's a really good feeling. Um, but even more so now as an adult, um, you know, removed from the activity itself, I find a great deal of satisfaction in the skill sets I, I skills that I attained when I was when I was a drum major, and I find that they they 
they are being used every day in some fashion in my current job, which is pretty cool. So for anybody listening who is a drum major and who also may not be interested in moving on with their career in terms of music education or um, in that in that capacity, regardless of the career path you choose, those skills will translate. And I would just give that as a word of encouragement to anybody out there listening who wants to, uh, who thinks they might want to be a drum major. I would, I would definitely take that chance and take the podium, take charge and move on. You know, it's um, really interesting to me that there are so many different types of drum majors with regard to um, whether you're a drum corps drum major, whether a marching band drum major, a parade drum major, a military style drum major, you know, they all have different skills and expectations, I think, that each each unit is going to expect from their drum major. We were so fortunate to speak with a former Blue Stars drum major, and this is what they had to say about their experience as a drum major. Is there a difference between a drum major and a field conductor? That's a great question, and typically the answer is yes. Drum majors typically have more leadership responsibilities and serve as the head conductor or head conductors of an ensemble. They're typically going to be the ones running rehearsal, while field conductors are going to be assisting them in all the things that they do and serving as assistant conductors out on the side and at the back of the field as needed. We had the great pleasure of talking to Josh Hecht again. He is in charge of the DMLA program. And if you're not following him on Insta or Facebook, you should. But he had some more tips and and ideas about what it means to be a drum major. Let's take a listen. Overall, the role is very difficult. It's a lot more stressful than a lot of people think. And even though you often see a drum major conducting on the podium and doing a fancy salute, 80%, if not more, of their job is spent doing leadership responsibilities both on and beyond the field. Well, that was pretty great. And, you know, it's it's always good to hear from different people who have had different perspectives from the podium, you know, and it, it could depend on a lot of things in terms of your age, your gender, or your, how you identify um, the, the size of the, the marching unit you're in front of, the school that you came from, the town you came from, your family, all of those things feed into how you are on the podium and, and what your ideas are about being a drum major. And they all form you into that, that leader and that leadership role. And we had the opportunity, which I think is, I was really grateful for this chance. Uh, there's a, a really cool young guy named Jack Gaudreau, and he is on the West Coast. And he is a, what I would call a flourish drum major. He is uh, typically in front of a pipe band or a Western, the West Coast has a, uh, a heavy military band influence in terms of their marching units and parade bands in particular. And he is a drum major in front of a parade band. And his whole experience as a drum major is completely different from mine in the sense that he um, isn't necessarily a field conductor so much as a leader of a parade group uh, with a huge bearskin hat and a big uh, decorative mace as well as his spinning mace and lots of flourishes uh, go into what that type of uh, performance is like for him as a, as a drum major. And I'm looking forward for everybody to, to stay tuned and to hear what he had to say about being a drum major. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to On a Water Break. And on this water break, 
we're going to talk to somebody who is usually never on a water break based on their position with the band. And this person uh, will enlighten you as to the view from the front. Uh, and his name is Jack Goudreau. Welcome, Jack. Hi, how are you doing? Hi. Good. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, being a drum major is is a unique position, you know, very small percentage of people in the marching arts get to participate as a drum major. So give us an idea about a little bit about your background and, and where you started and how you got into band and, and then ultimately being a drum major. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, gosh, it's been 10 years now uh, since I uh, picked up uh, my mace. And so I'm from California. So our styles of, of drum major, we kind of have a, a little bit of a variant here on the West Coast. Um, so you can either be a core style drum major. Um, we have a lot of successful uh, field show bands here in California, but we also have um, a really special sort of all-Americana sort of competition known as parade band. And so uh, basically parade bands, uh, they play military marches. Um, the band's in a rank and file formation and in front is the drum major. And so uh, drum major typically has military baton or uh, a mace uh, to signal commands and also to flourish it in competition. So we are actually judged on our flourishing and our marching department and whatnot uh, in competition. So that's where I'm from. So I'm from the uh, parade uh, band uh, style of uh, drum major. But uh, gosh, so the first few years um, before uh, I got to the position of drum majoring, uh, we were... Uh, our collective sort of drum major group in uh, Northern California competes in winter competitions, uh, L pattern drum major competitions. So simulations of what it'd be like on a parade. Right. And then we oh. also have uh, field conducting competitions as well too, where uh, you play a recording track of a band and you actually conduct to it on a, uh, to the track on a, on a podium. So basically uh, we were, we were going through training. Um, typically all the novice style or apprentice style drum majors, they're, um, slowly building up to eventually uh, audition for the uh, the head position of drum major for the high school unit. Um, and so that's basically my first four years of drum majoring was testing out the waters with this art form and slowly progressing the skills and acquiring the skills that I needed uh, to eventually uh, secure a position as the lead drum major uh, for my high school. So my final year of high school, um, I got really deep into the parade band, uh, the parade band competition uh, circuit. And uh, after that, I wanted to continue, um, continue flourishing uh, a mace. So it's uh, there again, there are two options, the uh, military baton and then the Scottish mace. And so uh, after high school, I, again, I really wanted to continue on uh, flourishing. So the options that we have here in, uh, on the West Coast is to be part of the Scottish uh, pipe band drum major community, uh, where they do have uh, solo drum major competitions. Uh, and you're judged on flourishing um, in a heat with uh, several other drum majors and a really high stakes uh, co uh, flourishing competition. It's really, uh, wow. really, really, really fun. So, uh, so is this like a private circuit? It's not affiliated with schools at that point. This is no, yeah, it's the... a solo professional circuit. Yeah, for the uh, Western United States uh, Pipe Band Association. So uh, it's a, a it's a really cool activity. And the nice part about it is it's um, also uh, the same format of competitions done in Scotland, Northern Ireland, mm. um, and other regions uh, around uh, the Commonwealth uh, countries. So uh, it's a really awesome international uh, that's international competition circuit. Yeah. So that's sort of the the gist of what I've been up to, um, I've also been instructing on the side for a high school circuit for, uh, for the high schools, um, in Northern California and, uh, 
our uh, units are actually preparing right now to go compete uh, in Southern California for the state drum major championship. So yeah, that's, that's what we've that's, been up to. Yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, I think a lot of our listeners <clears throat> are used to core style or field show conductors conducting from right. the podium, you know, in that style. And so to me, this is fascinating, right? This is a totally different branch Whoa. of being a drum major. Yeah. And I'm, I, I want to know more. So like, how old were you when you first decided, were you like, did you play an instrument first? Did you yeah. pick up so, the mace first? Like, how did it start for you? So it typically starts with an instrument, right? So I was an alto saxophone player in middle school, actually. And so the high school that I was, um, that I was eventually going to go to was a, uh, actually a British style uniform parade band. So I almost immediately got the sort of British Scottish uh, exposure to uh, the, to the style of, ma of mace flourishing that we're doing from high school. So I picked up a mace summer of eighth grade, and then I uh, advanced into freshman year and, of course, trained and then became the, the head drum major for the uh, for the marching band. So that's, that's that's sort of the progression of it all. Yeah. So, you know, from my personal experience, when I was in high school, I was selected to be drum major my senior year. Our, drum, our um, director had asked us if we could... Um, if we were interested, my my co-draw major, Amy and I, if I we wanted to use a mace. Yeah. And for us, it was purely, uh, I don't want to say decorative, but it was more of a formality. It wasn't really, you right. know, we didn't really have a show designed around mace tossing. And I mean, there were drum majors that did that, but that wasn't really the thing. Right. Um, and so when we got to drum major camp and... We got to work with George Parks, who was a big East Coast influence yeah. into the world of drum majoring. He called the, the he he broke us into two two different groups. There were the drum majors who used a mace, and the ones that didn't. And the ones that didn't, he called Teflon because they were non-stick. So they yeah. were the non-stick drum majors, <laughs> and then the ones that had a mace were the mace drum majors. <clears throat> we didn't get anywhere near the level that you're describing. Not yeah. even close. <laughs> so this is a new, I'm really excited to hear about this. So once you got out of high school, um, did and, and you started into the to the, um, the pipe band circuit, the Scottish yeah. circuit. Yes. Um, like what kind of opportunities are there then for you to perform? And what do you do with that? And, you know, where, where can that take you? So um, again, the real, going back to just the, just going back to the Scottish circuit, uh, it, this art form, so the Scottish circuit is around all the Commonwealth countries and really strong as well in the United States, especially on the West Coast. So almost automatically, you, you're you opened up to a large variety of opportunities to go and perform um, in other countries. So for example, um, I, I auditioned to be a part of the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo of Scotland, and I was wow. able, I was selected to uh, represent the United States um, at this international event, which is a, think about, the best way that I can describe it is sort of uh, just an ancient field show. Um, so this has um, been going on, uh, this has been going on since the 50s. Um, uh, basically, the tattoo is a, a celebration of all the all the arts and a lot of the military household bands of the UK. So um, a lot of premier uh, bands from around the Commonwealth go there and uh, represent their country at this event. Um, and it was just truly a magical experience. Um, the best part about honestly the uh, the sort of the Scottish circuit, and the side of the, and that side of the drum major uh, world, is really the history of it all because you get to see 
your art, the the mace flourishing art form go back hundreds of years um, to when yeah. uh, drum majors were in front of uh, of Scottish regiments and whatnot, and actually originally had a drum. Uh, but when you have a drum in front of a uh, military unit, you're typically the first the first one to be targeted. So that's how <laughs> that's how the mace came along because it uh, it was able to still give a pulse to the unit behind them uh, without uh, without them being a natural target uh, for any enemy attack. So that's that's how that came to be. So I just love the history of um, of the Scottish circuit. Um, it's, it always perplexes me, fascinates me, and I, I love passing that tradition and that. Um, that history onto my students. It's, I think it's a very valuable thing for students to understand where the art form has come from. Right. It's, and that, and using that as a foundation to grow the future of our art form as well, too, is, uh, is one of my mission statements as an instructor. Well, that that's fabulous. And, and the, like you said, the history of it is very important. I think, you know, domestically, you know, here in the United States, you know, we might be familiar with the spirit of 76 painting with, a fife and a drum yes. and a flag bearer and that's that's a that's still that's like a takeaway from what you're describing from the scottish you know the 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 drum major that was in front of a regiment it's the same thing it's just you know you're talking scotland versus the united states and right. i think that um the like you said it's it's neat that it has it has developed into an art form beyond the military yes. and that it's something that is so much more accessible you know, yes. there's a tattoo that does happen uh, on the East Coast every year in Virginia. Um, yes. it is an, it's an international tattoo as well, but it's it's not quite the same as going to Scotland and having that competition in such a historic and lovely and beautiful, you know, um, setting. But I think it's important for our listeners, especially to if you if you can't quite make it to Scotland, there is an opportunity for you to maybe see some some folks in Virginia each year in the spring. Uh, to to participate or to see you know to see that art form in action, um, do you are you familiar with? And I don't want to put you on the spot if you're not, but I know like for the um, the the Marine Corps in particular and the President's Own that their and their drum corps their their drum major typically has a large mace and and I don't yes. know if you know much about, much about that, but if you can, if you could speak to any of that, that would be cool because I think it'd be interesting for folks to hear about that. Absolutely. So, um, so specifically, that mace is a Dolman and Narborough uh, mace. It is a specific style mace, uh, actually from a company uh, in Scotland. Uh, uh, it is a premier style mace, uh, meaning you will never flourish that. Um, I, I challenge uh, all of the uh, the listeners to to actually look up uh, uh, a picture of the drum major. Um, it, it is mostly uh, used for signals and is a uh, definitely a. Uh, uh, a presentational mace again no flourishing with that um sure. but yeah no absolutely that uh that that mace is a gorgeous piece of art um as so is the um so is uh the hat that the drum major wears as well too the bearskin uh hat um that is actually uh actually taken uh influence of course from the united kingdom as well too which is yeah and i think that's that people would be maybe shocked to learn that or to be interested to know right. that that's where it derived from, you know, that, absolutely. You know, kind we're, of ironic. We're, relati here, right? we're a relatively new, right. We're a relatively yeah. new country compared to, you know, the history that we're talking about. Right. So, um, and, and just from a, from your personal experience, that's gotta be pretty heavy. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm constantly, I'm constantly humbled by the activity. I'd say, uh, it never, it never ceases to surprise me. Um, 
And one sure. of the things that I, I really love about our art form too, is even though we have like these different pockets, these different trails that you could go on, we're mm-hmm. all sort of connected by the central theme of leadership and the central theme of being the catalyst for our ensemble to be the best that they can be and to represent wherever we're from um, to the best of our ability. And I think that those core values ring true in every branch of our art form and really bringing that out in, uh, in the youth and continuing to use that tradition of leadership as the guiding light for our art form, I think is um, how, how we're going to continue, uh, continue this uh, going, right. To, or to keep this uh, art form going. Right. Absolutely. Well, Jack, this is a perfect, I think a perfect segue for us. We're going to just take a short break and we're going to toss this back to the folks that uh, are going to be uh on another water break with with our friends over at the podcast. So awesome. pick up your equipment, pick up your mace. Jack's going to be with us in just another moment. And we are back talking to Jack Goodrip. So Jack, I think, you know, you gave us some great history about, about your style of drum major and the, the military band concept and the military flourishing of your drum major uh, mace and that the art that's involved in that. And I was wondering, how do you, where do you see yourself and where do you see that, that style? I'm sure, you know, you see what it, what it is on the, on the, the West coast in California. And it's, there's a, a popularity to it. There's a, there's a presence of it that we don't necessarily always see on the East coast. There are right. some bands that I'm familiar with that do, but where do you see that in the, in the big picture? Do you see that it's growing? Has it waned? What do you, what do you see? So I really see our art form right now. Um, looking off into the future. Like I, I, it's slowly reaching into the future specifically mm. in our high school competitors. Um, so in the solo competitions that we have for the uh, L patterns, um, we're beginning to see a progression away from just marches and exploring real different concepts of music. Um, so uh, we're beginning to have still, uh, still obviously the drum major will have to stay in time with music, right. Uh, as they're performing, mm-hmm. but the music selections are they're using now are, are different and they're more cinematic. There's some, there's more of a, a program effect to a lot of the routines that we're seeing now in the, uh, in the L pattern circuit here, that's what it's called. So the competition is called an L pattern. Um, and so okay. we've seen a lot of progression there in regards to exploring different concepts, different move styles. So I really see our art form expanding in the, in the high school circuit. And the nice part about that is as the high schoolers are expanding our art form, once they graduate, they can always return to that Scottish circuit and slowly bring these ideas as well too into the Scottish circuit as well mm. too bringing these sure. new flourishing concepts, new ideas. And I think that sort of foundation of education is the driving catalyst of our activity right there. And I, 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 really, I really think that that's going to continue to push all forms of flourishing art form from the drum major perspective um, onward uh, for many years to come. Um, and we still have a very lively um, amount of people competing in L patterns. So it's really nice to see. And of course, um, with the... Uh, with uh, the uh, support of the state championship in Southern California from Northern California to Southern California, we're really beginning to unify our art form here on the West coast, which is, uh, which is a definite mission statement of mine and has been a mission statement of my mentor as well too, who taught me. Um, 
So yeah, no, keeping an eye on the uh, on the West Coast uh, flourishing scene has been a real treat to see just grow and evolve. That's super cool. It's so different than yeah. what we see here. I'm telling you, like we are so immersed on the East Coast in this in the in the core style that Absolutely. I am now. I I, I know I'm going to be googling a lot after this after this episode, and I think our our, our listeners will too, because I think that it's something. <clears throat> that if for folks that maybe want to do something different, that want to expand their skill sets, that want to, you know, just explore this art form, this is another way to do it. So I'm curious now, I need now I need more information, right? I'm dying to know. So like when you're talking about flourishes, you know, I have what I have what I imagine that to be in my head. What does it what does it look like if you can describe the visual to our audio form? Yeah, so um so for uh, mace flourishing specifically, the benefit of using a mace over military is that you're able to cover more area because the mace is um, act, is longer than the military, right? So that's the benefit of it. So a lot of the moves that the, the a lot of the moves and skill sets that you'll be using with a mace um, really just have a, a grander look, a bigger look to them, right? Mm. So there's a lot of front plane stuff, so directly in front of the body, in the plane of the body. There's side plane um, behind the backs, right? Uh, parallels over the head. 45 incline planes um, on the left and right side. Um, and recently, uh, some of my students have actually uh, invented new planes as well, too. So uh, we're so talking about progression wow. of our art form. We're bringing in new concepts, new ideas, new transitions or, um, in the, uh, into, uh, into the uh, drum major, uh, I don't know, the, the, I don't know, the drum major lexicon of flourishes, right? <laughs> Which nobody, I'm sure, even thought was a thing, but now we're educating everybody that it is a thing. There is a drum major lexicon. Absolutely. So, do you, do you, are, is there any tossing involved, like toss and catch, or is absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, tosses. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. parallel tosses, 45 tosses, frontal tosses, behind the back tosses. Yeah, the, you, you name it. Yeah, we, uh, we have it in, in, on the West Coast. Yeah. Now, are you wearing one of those big bearskin hats while you're doing this? Um, so for the, for the style that I teach, so I teach Scottish, um, and, and, and British style. Um, so yeah, it's either in a, uh, uh, an ostrich feather bonnet for the Scottish style or, uh, the bear skin, which is actually a real bear skin, uh, for the British style. So, yeah. So you're doing all of this and you're wearing that. Yeah, and which is probably one of the most difficult parts of, of our style is being able to maintain the uniform and maintaining, uh, posture and control, uh, in that while spinning a mace. Absolutely. So you're doing it, but you're also doing this and marching in parade formation. Yes. Am I understanding that right? Yes. And you're supposed That's... to remain deathly still during performance, which is really, which is easy to say, but very difficult to do. Especially oh, heck no. I, yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> Standing still is not my strong point. That's so in, when you're in rehearsal, you know, and you're working with your unit, are you, taking on leadership roles within your unit is it something that you're more of a an additional player like how does that how does that role yeah so what does that look like for you so we've talked a lot about like drum major flourishing and whatnot but the first thing that i always teach the students and i think that this is this rings true in any region of drum major it's not necessarily it, like what you actually do in performance is really like three percent of what actually is going what of, of your responsibility as a drum major the other 97 percent is leading and supporting your unit and serving your unit as a steward right like that is your number one priority and it's very easy uh very easy spinning a really cool stick and whatnot like in the sure. throwing it in the air chucking it to forget about that but um constantly reminding drum majors that the leadership aspect 
of the role is the foundational glue of the activity um, is um, is of the utmost importance. Um, so yeah, no, uh, you're, as a drum major in front of your band, you're typically responsible for setting setting uh, spacing for files and ranks. You're responsible for uh, delegating tasks to section leaders. You're responsible for controlling water breaks. Um, you're also responsible for uh, making sure that you can put out fires as well, too. If, if, if any emergency happens, that's on you as well, too. So there's lots of leadership aspects about the drum major art form that are the most, hands down, the most important aspect of our activity that just completely, um, completely um, blow flourishing out of the water, right? So, and that's honestly the the skill set that's, that that's going to go onward, right? Like that it's not going to really, it's not really going to be the flourishing. It's not going to be the conducting. It's not going to necessarily, sure. Well, sure. You might go on to do that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to deny that. No. Um, but these foundational skill sets of being a catalyst for, for, uh, for lifting others up around you and for being that catalyst for beneficial change in an organization, that's what's going to continue on. And um, so, yeah. Those life skills. Yes, absolutely. And it's stuff that can carry through. Like you said, not everybody's going to graduate high school or graduate college and be a, a conductor, a music teacher, educator right. in that in that style, you know, but they can be leaders in, in their businesses and in yes. their their occupations in whatever business that is. And all of this, those, they say soft skills, which I question why it's soft, but you know, those skills, those interpersonal skills how to, how to conduct yourself and, you know, your comportment and stuff is very important uh, as you, as you progress through your journey. And I'm so glad to hear you touch on that because <clears throat> as we're evolving with our podcast, we're also talking about our, our new segment called never on a water break because drum majoring tends to never really be on that water break. And you kind of alluded to it a little bit because you said you're in charge of water breaks, you know, you're yeah. in charge yeah. of getting that done. And because we're always doing, and, you know, as drum majors, we are those stewards. We are those folks that are taking that role. It's important to, for folks to realize that, that yes, while it might be very prestigious to be the one up front and the really cool hat with the big mace and, and, you know, all of those spins and tosses and catches that are very beautiful. There's a lot more to it that goes on behind the scenes, you know, especially in rehearsals with, that we don't always get the the shiny, the shiny gold star for. So right. thank you so much, Jack. I think you have <clears throat> excited a lot of our listeners about learning about a new art form that I'm sure they didn't consider. And I'm excited to uh, hopefully, you know, point them in your direction. Do you have any kind of social media or, or places where they could maybe explore or find you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you want to, you can either, um, you, you can, uh, go to my Instagram, uh, Goudreau underscore G O U D R E A U underscore. Um, if you're interested, feel free to reach out. We can get you as much information as you want about, um, about, uh, the art form and whatnot. And, uh, specifically if you just even want to see it, you know, if you want to see a video or whatnot, well, we'd, we'd be more than welcome to, uh, sending a uh, material out, uh, to people who are interested. Fantastic. And that's, and that's what it's all about, right? Sharing the word and social media is great for that. So if yes. you're listening, you heard it, it's Goudreau, under, Goudreau underscore. So that's G-O-U-D-R-E-A-U underscore. And that's yep. on Instagram. So check him out and check out the, the art. It is, I'm so excited and fascinated to hear about it. I'm so glad you took the time today to, to meet with us and chat with us and chat course, with our listeners. Thank and you. Yeah. I'm excited about it. So thank you so much. 
And now we're going back to Jackie, probably, or maybe just the rest of our staff. And they are on a water break. Hi, everyone. It's Tim Hinton, the beast of the marching arts, the host of the Marching Roundtable podcast and the creator of MarchingArtsEducation.com. I've just um, taken a little water break here, and I thought I would share some information about what's going on at the Marching Roundtable. But first, I want to say, wow, congratulations to everybody for the incredible, great, successful work and season we just had in the indoor activity this winter. Wow, all the stuff that happened in Dayton was really inspiring and exciting. It was great to see your passion on display. Thank you for all your hard work, whether you're a designer, a director, instructor, performer, parent, support person, all these people make the activity happen, and wow, are you impressive. Now, here's my thought for you today. Make sure you take some time to rest. That's right. Right now, people are jumping right back into auditions for the fall or getting ready for drum corps. You know, the cycle just keeps on going. But I want to tell you, make sure you're taking some time at the end of this momentous season to rest, to reflect, take long weekends, take evenings off, if you're like me, sometimes I just have to schedule that on my calendar. I'm not going to work on this night. I'm going to take some time and do something, hopefully I'd like to say, that doesn't have anything to do with the marching arts activity. Just enjoy some time off. Rest. Take care of yourself. Because we'll very soon be jumping right back in. You need to be rested, healthy, uh, mentally ready for everything that's about to happen. So, take some time. I promise you'll be glad you did. This week at the Marching Roundtable Podcast, we have another in our series called Three Things I Wish I'd Known When I First Started Teaching. This is Gene Monteristelli, who's a very important visual judge in the, in the earlier years of Drum Corps International, now is working with drum majors in a very significant way at DCI. You'll love hearing about things he wished he had known when he first started teaching way back when with the Troopers. And also, next week's podcast is focusing on education and a competitively driven activity. This is two really smart folks from Southwind Drum and Bugle Corps talking about how they have a successful season with their students, focusing on education and gr helping those students grow, while, of course, being in the middle of competitive activity and wanting to do very, very well. And don't forget, there was a recent podcast with the crew from On a Water Break that I think you'll really enjoy. And one more thing, watch for a webinar coming up on May 24th with Ron Vereen talking about grant writing for not-for-profit arts groups. Jeremy, thanks for including me. This is Tim Hinton, the Beast of the Marching Arts. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Jack, for joining us. Follow him at Goudreau underscore. That is G-O-U-D-R-E-A-U underscore. We are very excited for Never on a Water Break, the stories of the drum majors that is coming soon to our channel. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast to listen. We have lots more to get to on this water break, so let's get right into it. Whitney is back this week talking about next season prep. She is currently at the band parent meeting telling this to everyone in person. So take it away, Whitney. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Wisdom with Whitney. Today, we are going to talk about parent meetings. Now, I touched on this a little bit last week, so we're going to expand um, if you are in charge of any kind of pageantry program, you should definitely have some kind of parent meeting at the start of every year. Um, we just did ours tonight for the color guard where I teach and um, it went really well and we were able to get all the information that we needed to out within one hour 
what we did was go over my band director's incoming marching band slide and slideshow. And we went through that. That took about 30 minutes. Pretty much has everything you need to know. Payment, who to pay, what does it cover, what are we doing this year, what competitions are we going to, football games, all of that. And we went through all of that information. And then I went through a very short slide that was more geared towards the color guard, talked about what the warm-ups would be, how the change in our class schedule is going to work, um, all those little types of things that are good for incoming members and rookies to know, not rookies, incoming members and uh, veteran members and parents to know. So that's uh, basically what we covered. Um, I highly recommend you do this and try, just try to get everybody in the same room. It's good for them to meet each other and see the other parents because sometimes they're just hanging out behind the, the keyboard and we don't often get to see some parents. So it's nice for you to meet the parents, introduce yourself, not through a screen, and um, get to know everybody a little bit and just have some good FaceTime. And you can um, collect payments during this time, talk about contracts if you have one. So just lots of things you can do in that amount of time. But I highly recommend doing this. Um, good luck to everybody in the next few weeks. I'm sure everybody's doing exams and wrapping up the end of the school year. Have a great one, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Whitney. So what are your guys' uh, best tips for planning for next season? Um, and I'm a little extra, so I get it that most people probably won't do this, but like we had, um, uniform managers that made sure that, you know, uniforms were in the right garment bag and things like that. Um, uh, we had equipment managers making sure that all equipment was taped the right way. Um, especially like, you know, flags because most of the, uh, <laughs> the weapons they, you know, had to deal with their own equipment. Um, and then we had like bigs and littles. So you made sure that your little, you know, knew what time she had to be at what report time was, you know, and make sure they were at school at the right time and stuff like that. So, um, I think making sure that everyone is in their right spot. I, this is just not an easy way for me to answer this. Cause I, again, extra <laughs> did the most, <laughs> doing the most. Um, but yeah, that's what I would, uh, be prepping for, I guess you could say, getting ready for the next season. I think it's also really important to know, know what your kids can do. That's a big part of it. Like my planning that oh, I do, sure. I have to, you have to know their abilities and not plan too elaborately or like have your, I guess have your standards too high. I mean, I have high standards mm -hmm. anyway, so whatever's in my mind, that's what we're going to do. But like find a way to make it work for them instead of just having like super hard choreography and like, they're not going to be able then, to do it. Yeah. And having to water it down later, that takes so much time. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's important for, for any program to regardless of, of how far you already are in your design for next year or whatever is to look at last year, what worked, what didn't work. What did we excel at? What did we, you know, fall short of? <clears throat> and, and build off those things. Um, I think often too many too many programs just go, oh, it's next season. Let's, you know, put another show on the field. 
And then they just make the same mistakes that they made last year. Yeah, being a judge, you you see a lot of that year after year, and you're like, you guys really should have a meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Having communication, like if you have a drill writer, you have to be able to communicate if there's changes and not just, oh, well, well, that's the way it is, so good luck. (laughs) That's actually going to be a tip is that you need to have, like, your form of communication established and solid as you prepare for the next season. So it doesn't matter like what you want to use. If you want to use Google classroom, or if you want to use like the band app or remind text messages or whatever, that is really important to have that communication, a staff communication and uh, communication from the student leaders to the students, to the staff and so on. So there's like set all that up in advance for sure. Well, let's shine a spotlight on our friends at the Drum Major Leadership Academy, since it's all about drum majors today. They are here to get us some leadership and drum major tips every single week. So take it away. Summer is right around the corner, which means that band camp is about to begin. If you are a drum major, section leader, band captain, or any other student leader, you need to attend the Drum Major Leadership Academy's Marching Band Virtual Leadership Camp or a select in-person camps held in states around the country. By attending these camps, you will not only learn the ins and outs of how to be successful in your position as a student leader, but you will also receive actionable insights that help you better resolve conflict, lead your ensemble's culture, teach your peers, and create an inspiring and supportive leadership approach that helps you, your section, and your band program be as successful as possible this marching season. You can learn more and RSVP for these in-person or virtual opportunities by visiting dmlatraining.com slash camps. And if you have any questions or need help getting registered, please feel free to reach out to the Drum Major Leadership Academy on social media at DMLA training or by emailing our team at camps at DMLA training.com. We look forward to seeing you there and are excited to support you and your marching ensemble this season. Stay inspired. All right, time to get our history lesson this week. Each week, the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum folks are going to give us a little bit of history so we can know what came before us. So take it away, Bill. Hey everybody, this is Bill Ives from the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania with this week's fascinating snippet of marching pageantry history. Did you know a Fleetwood Rucker helped sell Harold Barber's moms on the idea that St. Rita's Brassman was a top-notch corps? The end of the 1969 Drum and Bugle Corps competition season had come to a close. It was also marked by first-year competitive field competition. I was a member of the Carter Cadets. It was late September, and a private meeting was held by Corps members only. The veterans were not pleased with the direction of the Corps. A vote was called to disband and go to other Corps or not march at all. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I was confused with the veteran members felt that way. I love being in Carters. It had always been my dream to march with them. So I stuck around for a while to see if Carters would make a return to the field of competition. Although the rookie horn line seemed to gather good numbers, I quit because the drum line was only a handful of drummers and my friend Vernon was not there. My good friend Vernon, who had played snare drum in Carter's drum line, called and told me he had gone to check out Wind Center Talkers. I decided to be with him. However, Vernon was not there that day that I went to try out for the Topper snare line. 
Later that evening, when I called Vernon, he informed me that he had joined the national contender for championships, the St. Rita's Brassman. I was stunned. St. Rita's Brassman was a World Open Championship finalist. They had competed against all the top cores in the nation with excellent results. If my friend Vernon was in the Brassman, I thought I wanted to join. However, pitching this new venture to my mother ran into an issue. She thought all drum cores were the same. I had to convince my mother that St. Rita's Brassman was a top-notch drum corps, and I even showed her the 1969 An Evening with the Corps Fleetwood album. St. Rita's was featured on the album. I told her that top drum and bugle corps make records. This was my selling point to convince her to let me join. My mother was leery about the location where the Brassman practiced. The Brassman practiced on Atlantic and Shepherd in the East New York section of Brooklyn, New York. My mother was unfamiliar with this area. She was overly cautious, letting me travel to neighborhoods unknown to her. But my older sister intervened for me and helped convince my mother that it was okay to travel there. Plus, my sister was a little more knowledgeable about the caliber of the drum corps. Well, my mother granted me permission to join St. Rita's. I lit up like a Christmas tree. I immediately called Vernon to tell him the good news. He was ecstatic. Man, you just wait, Vernon exclaimed. It's going to be great. Ha-ha, I said to myself after I hung up the phone, St. Rita's Brassman, here I come. I went into my room to do my happy dance. I then kissed the Fleetwood album they were on. Stay tuned to future podcast episodes for more fascinating snippets from the collective history of the wonderful activity we call the marching arts. To learn more about the Marching Pageantry Arts Museum, go to marchingpageantryartsmuseum.org and follow us on social media. Thanks, Bill. I know Stephen and the folks over at the museum are working hard on their history podcast coming soon, so be on the lookout for that. That's right, Ashley. And if you don't follow Drum Corps today on Instagram yet, you really, really should, especially as we get into the summer season. They are keeping us all up to, to, date, up to date with everything that's going on in Drum Corps, so take it away, Jeremy. Hey, everyone. Drum Corps today with another Drum Corps news segment. First up, we have rehearsal camps that are coming up. This weekend, there are six camps lined up. Out west, Blue Devils B have a camp in Concord, California on Saturday, May 13th. Gold has a camp in Eastvale, California on Saturday, May 13th. Golden Empire has a camp in Bakersfield, California from Saturday, May 13th to Sunday, May 14th. Impulse has a camp in San Jose, California on Saturday, May 13th. And Vessel has a camp in San Dimas, California from Saturday, May 13th to Sunday, May 14th. Out East, Raiders have a camp in Salem, New Jersey from Friday, May 12th to Sunday, May 14th. Next weekend, there are 11 camps and two cores are moving in for spring training. Out West, Boise Gems have a camp in Caldwell, Idaho on Saturday, May 20th. Blue Devils B have a camp in Concord, California from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. Golden Empire has a camp in Bakersfield, California from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. Gold has a camp in Eastvale, California, from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. And Vessel has a camp in San Dimas, California, from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. Down south, Arsenal has a camp in El Paso, Texas, from Saturday, May 20th to Sunday, May 21st. And Impact has a camp in Orlando, Florida, on Sunday, May 21st. In the Midwest, Cold Cadets have a camp in Dubuque, Iowa, from Friday, May 19th to Sunday, May 21st, and Eclipse has a camp in Indianapolis on Sunday, May 21st. Out East, Spartans have a camp in Nashua, New Hampshire, from Friday, May 19th to Saturday, May 20th, and 7th Regiment has a camp from Friday, May 19th to Sunday, May 21st. 
Spring training season also begins next week, with Carolina Crown's percussion moving in on Wednesday, May 17th at Gardner-Webb University, and a few days later, on Saturday, May 20th, the rest of the corner will join them. On top of that, on Friday, May 19th, Phantom Regiment will be moving into their spring training location at Eastern Illinois University. In addition to that, there have also been four more cores to release their 2023 productions. Boston Crusaders will be shooting for gold with their production, White Whale. Vessel will be touring the West Coast with their production, The Dark Knight. Jersey Surf will be exploring self-acceptance with their production, Express Yourself. And Mandarins will be aiming for another top 10 spot with their production, Sinner Man. As of this week, there are 381 brass spots, 86 field percussion spots, 86 front ensemble spots, 422 color guard spots, 6 conductor spots, and 71 additional spots, ranging from team time to administrative intern positions, which in total comes out to just over a thousand open spots for this summer. All of this information can be found on our Instagram page, Drum Corps Today, and links to everything can be found at the link in our bio or on our link tree at Drum Corps Today, and stay tuned for more Drum Corps news. Well, that's exciting news, Jeremy. <laughs> it's like We're all ready for Drum Corps. We're ready for the season to start. Um, but let's talk about some, some current news happening right now. Music for All, Bands of America has leveled the playing field when it comes to amplification. I know there's so many pros and cons and arguments for and against and how to do it and where's the budget for it and all that. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is you, you, you got to play real-time music, folks. You can't just mic one person in your 22-person trumpet section and let him or they carry the section. Uh, everyone's got to play, you know, everyone's got to participate. And uh, unfortunately, we saw a lot of the bigger groups doing this, and, and that took away from the smaller groups being able to do that, you know, that helped them out. So let's just... Level the playing field. So basically, they're taking away the ability for them to amplify their performers? Uh, individually, yeah. You can still microphone a soloist, you know, uh, individually, but um, it's got to be real-time, live-time, uh, uh, and it can't be uh, one individual mic'd in a passage section carrying the section anymore. I Honestly, I, feel, I like that a lot. I feel like there's marching band's all about the kids and if you're putting in like a pre-recorded thing or you know just having like one kid who overshadows the rest of their section it's not really about the whole band it's not about the kids that we bring that and that actually that kind of makes me happy that they're doing that i like it no i agree i think that's a i think it's a great decision they've made because um it one it just electronics in whole is just a financial nightmare and and mm-hmm. two, um, there's no need for it. There's no, no need for it. Well, Either you what? can play or you can't play. Let me let me be devil's advocate just for a moment because <laughs> here she comes. There, yeah, I see where you're coming from with like like level of playing field a little bit, but like there is a difference in um, atmosphere when you do add the electronics. Um, and being, I've, I've played both sides of the field with this. I've been with a program that did not have that amplification on the field for players. 
and you know there's a different sound there and i've been with a pro with a program that had the amplification of miking like the whole field because like a lot of a lot of groups do it there it, there's an atmosphere change with that so um and being smaller and bigger. I mean, I don't see this too much with marching bands all that much. Um, the bigger ones, yes. You know, as far as the OA is concerned, like those big ones, yeah. But like, um, I think I'm I'm looking more along the lines of like what drum corps do too. So I can see where both are coming from. And I think this is more along the lines for, I mean, I purpose, I, I personally think it's for marching bands, so. I get it. And also too, I mean, honestly, if you're miking one person during an ensemble moment, uh, that's kind of, that's not yeah. right. <laughs> you know, I always, so bad, but no, we always got upset as like the color guard people, because if you go out as a horn player in a huge horn section and you don't know your part as well as everybody else, and you just like stop playing, it's not nearly as noticeable as when as somebody uh, the color guard just stops spinning and they don't know their choreography. Absolutely. So. And this, this puts this back into play. Yeah. Everyone's got to know the parts. We can't, we can't hide That's anymore. Right. So, you know, well, uh, speaking of electronics, I'm going to kind of try to segue that into this, uh, uh, documentary about an HBCU marching mm. band competition. Uh, has been selected for the 2023 American Black Film Festival's documentary features. So uh, we actually, we've kind of talked about this before, the HBCUs doing their Battle of the Bands. And uh, Florida A&M University's Marching 100 is one of the bands that is featured in this documentary. It is called The National Battle of the Bands, A Salute to HBCU Marching Bands. And... I, I, it's so cool. I just love to see stuff about band and the, especially like the really, really like the hardcore culture of the HBCU bands getting out and getting to the, the sort of secular society. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that people don't know, really know about. I mean, honestly, I, I am nowhere near the end all be all of HBCUs and I am learning so much. And oh, I love sure. that, like, I'm not the only one who's like, ooh, let me know more. Everyone is, you know? So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see this and see what, you know, they put out here. Uh, well, and the, the fact that it's, like, creating more content that could potentially be shared to these, especially these students that are in, like, high school marching bands. I, like, on, I was in high school marching band. I had never even heard of HBCU bands. I had no idea anything about that. And so, like... When I first saw an HBCU band on social media in like, I was out of college already at that point, I think. And I was just like, what is this? It's like mm -hmm. they're doing marching band, but it's completely different from the marching band that I know. So <laughs> I'm like, are they, is the, are the two of them dancing? Are they yeah. doing the <laughs> what? while playing? What? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So yeah, congratulations to them for, for being, uh, selected for their for this award that's awesome yes who knows <clears throat> those groups were uh were moving well before drum corps and marching band were bebopping oh, on yeah. the fields well oh, yeah. or not they didn't come out the womb with the sousaphone on doing that stuff come on <laughs> <laughs> right i'll learn straight <laughs> 
Um, so it also looks like there is um, a high school band from Hawaii, which is James Campbell High School. Um, they were invited to attend the Independence Day Parade that's in Washington, D.C. this summer, um, where all 50 states were also invited to um, go in this parade. Um, but they just recently had a pledge fall through. So they're trying to scramble up and uh, scramble up the funds to uh, to still go because that pledge was three hundred thousand dollars. So that's a, that's a lot of chunk of change there to to give up. To so just they skip still out, have yeah. um, they still have uh, I think about a month to raise raise two hundred thousand um, dollars. They have a GoFundMe set up, so go check that out. Um, they were actually selected in. 2019 to be in the parade, but since the pandemic happened in, in 2020, um, it got rescheduled, so now they're in this year's parade. Oh, man. Well, first of all, I would we talked about this before. I yeah. would love to go and help out in a band in Hawaii. <laughs> right? Um, you know, like, I will put on that, that flowery t-shirt or, you know, the button-down the Hawaiian shirt and, you know, work, but Man, three hundred thousand K—that's a lot to fall through. Like that can right. either you're going or you're not going. Right. Man, man, get out there and please fund to that. I mean, send something to that GoFundMe for them. That would be great to have them here. Oh, so my new story. Um, so I love music. I mean, and not just like, hey, here's a you know like Sgt. Pepper or whatever, but like actual bands. I go see shows all the time. Um, and let's see, who is it? It's P.K. Young, or Young. It's Y-O-N-G-E. And y'all know that my last name is Younger, so it's Y-O-N-G-E-R, yeah. All right, so um, <laughs> I know. It's hard. I know. It's so, there's so similar. But um, this school, they're out of Florida, um, the marching band did was in the music video with uh, Jukebox. Hold on, I have everything right here, but they were in the mar- they were in the music video with Jukebox. Oh, uh, Jukebox the Ghost, and the name of the song was Brass Band. And I watched the video. The video is entirely shot backwards, and um, it's basically uh, you can see the setup for it. It's everybody's in like an, a modern day thing, you know, like. They're just doing their day-to-day thing. This band is setting up for their step off for a march for a uh, parade. And the one that they zero in on in this marching band is a color guard member who just Ooh. breaks out from, you know, from the rest of the marching band and like starts making their own way forward. And then that's basically what's happening with people in their everyday life on this day at the same time. And so, but the cool thing about it, they're all, it's all shot backwards. The whole video is shot backwards. So at the very end, you see this color guard member go back to where she is set up in the block. So, and you do hear them playing. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very Memento-esque, if you've ever seen that movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, but it's shot like that. So it's not just, hey, band, come play. It's hey, let me make you into this whole, like, storyline of the video. Very, very cool. So we have a new king over in Great Britain. And 
right? If you were under a rock, you probably don't know this, but yeah. my rock was pretty big. I'm just kidding. <laughs> of King Trolls happened last week, earlier this week. It's coordination. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's um, some chitty chatty about a, a band that plays instruments on horseback, right? So, <laughs> what? when you're stepping you an instrument on two feet is difficult enough. Uh, <laughs> this amazing group plays for like the royal birthdays, uh, changing of the guards. You know, coordination coordination of kings and queens when it happens. Uh, but this is a, a group of the Royal Army. They, they perform on horseback, all the brass instruments, drums. Um, yeah, and you wouldn't, if you just heard them playing, you wouldn't, you couldn't tell that they're on a horseback. Hold you, hold you don't hear it coming through the instrument at all. Tom, wow. I have a question. How do you play a drum on horseback? Right? So I just saw a picture of it. Literally, <laughs> it's on either side of the horse. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like playing tenors, but, you know, you, you got a horse in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that poor horse. <laughs> but the horses are probably, like, super well-trained, though. I'm sure they're just like, this is what I do. <laughs> the thing I know about a horse is they don't like loud sounds. So these horses must be, yeah, pretty special to hang out with the drum line. Or even a horn player, I'd imagine, you know? Mm-hmm. My question is, were there also color guard members on horseback? They are, but they're just they just traditional colors. Oh, so like um Our just thing. like an owner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's no fives being tossed, I don't think. Um yeah. I tried desperately to make color guard on horseback happen when I was in high school. I got, I took my practice flag home and I like got on my horse and that was a terrible plan. I do not I, recommend that. Jackie, the only reason I don't think WGI has done it yet is I just don't think we can buy a venue that will cover the insurance of live, uh, you know, <laughs> stock on the floor yet. Oh yeah. Isn't there like a no live animals rule, like specifically in WGI? <laughs> So, I mean, we're, we're going to keep working on it for you, Jackie, okay? <laughs> okay. Let's get rid of that live animals rule. Let's get some horses in there. <laughs> we'll have the Dixie Stampede. Dolly, or I guess, oh, it's not called that anymore. The Dolly Parton Stampede. Oh. And we're going to get that up in there and get get some horses running through there and have people on, on ostrich back. You know, I went to Dolly World this day. Did anybody else go to Dolly World? That's another show. <laughs> <laughs> another show. Ashley, why don't you tell us what's going on in the twirling world <laughs> before we go crazy here? Um, so all of the regional competitions are happening pretty soon um, to get ready for nationals. That's in July. Um, this past weekend was the North Atlantic Region uh, Championships. So like a couple weeks ago, it was the Mid-Atlantic um, Regionals. So I, I think personally, like the Northeast area is like, huge for baton twirling like it's some of the most competitive um that i've seen compared to like the west and like midwest the south i think some of the best twirlers come from the northeast but 
I don't know. That could just be me. I might be a little bit biased. <laughs> um, and also all of the um, the feature twirler auditions and the majorette line um, auditions are finishing up here as people are um, committing to their schools and securing those spots um, for the next year or the next four years, depending on um, what they have. And then... Um, yeah, it's just really exciting to see everyone get into their dream school and then on top of that being able to um, twirl with the band and live out their, their dreams of being a college twirler. It's so much different than competition twirling. It's so much... Oh, yeah. For me, for me, it was so stress-free. I didn't have to worry about anything. That was, like, where I learned to actually perform and, like, have fun performing. Like, and not have to worry about, oh, I'm going to drop this or something like that. <laughs> um, and then we also have, um, in the twirling world and, and on a water break, we're going to have a new podcast, which is on a water break in rhinestones. Ooh. If you don't know the twirling world, we love our rhinestones. So yeah. if, rhinestone, if, if it has rhinestones, we're getting it. And if it yeah. doesn't, we'll rhinestone it. <laughs> My, I remember at, at nationals, the parents would stay up for like all night. They would have their pillows, put the costume on the pillows, rhinestone all day, rhinestone all night. Oh e six thousand, the toxic fumes. <laughs> wow! And your costume only weighed eighty pounds. <laughs> Seriously, my my prom dress, my senior year of high school, it actually didn't have rhinestones on it, but I went ahead and rhinestoned it because it just wasn't <laughs> of enough. Of course, of and course, right. <laughs> Is it gonna be a twirler dressed up for Something's missing. <laughs> yeah, so um, there's two interviews set up. Um, for that podcast. So be sure to look out for that. I'm with our host, Lexi Dudock. Um, like I said before, she's one of the greatest twirlers of all time. I'm lucky enough to call her one of my former teammates um, and a close friend. So I'm really excited for that. Yay. Oh, I love it. I love all this crossover. It's great. <laughs> okay, everyone. Thank <laughs> hey, let's go Celtics. <laughs> Tom, Nicole, and Ashley, you guys have been amazing. Thank you, Whitney and Lex. Of course, follow Lex at Blonde Caramel Twist. It's blonde.caramel.twist. And as well as Bill from at Marching Pageantry Arts Museum. That is marching underscore pageantry underscore arts underscore museum. Joshua from the Drum Major Leadership Academy at DMLA Training, and, of course, Jeremy from at Drum Corps Today. Go subscribe, write us a review, share this with a friend, and uh, definitely write us those reviews because we're ready to see them. We want to see what you guys think about our podcast. Hit us up. Yes. Uh, follow us on our social media at On A Water Break, and we will see you at the next rehearsal on A Water Break. Go practice.